Indiana Bible College is committed to training tomorrow's apostolic ministers today. And this is the Indiana Bible College podcast. Today on the podcast, we have our very own Reverend Chris Henderson, the Dean of the Christian Leadership Program here on campus, preaching a message in chapel entitled, I'm With Him. Brother Henderson has grown this department over the past few years, and if you don't know how it works here at IBC, a major can also serve as a minor. So we have both Christian leadership majors and Christian leadership minors that have been growing in numbers here in the past few years. We're grateful for his work, and we know you will enjoy this chapel message from Brother Henderson coming right now. the redeeming power of our God in this place. Amen, amen, amen. Be turning our attention as you're standing today to Matthew. Matthew, the 27th chapter, verses 45. Wait, no, that's not right. We're going to go to Luke. We're going to go to Luke 23. Same story, different gospel. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, got it. Luke 23, 39 through 43. 39 through 43. And one of the malefactors which were hanged railed on him saying, if thou be the Christ, save thyself and us. But the other, answering, rebuked him, saying, Dost thou not fear God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we have received the due reward of our deeds. But this man hath done nothing amiss. And he, talking about the thief, hanging on the cross next to Jesus, and he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. For a few moments, by the help of the Lord and with your help, I want to preach, I'm with him I'm within. Put your Bibles down. Lift your hands toward heaven. Let's ask God to touch the remainder of this service. Lord, we pray that you would move and that you would touch, that your word would have free course in our hearts, God. I ask that your anointed, inspired, protected, and kept word would reign supreme in this place. Anoint me. Anoint my mind, anoint my lips, but anoint the hearers and the ears of those listening, God, that they can not only hear, but also do and receive and let your word grow into part of who they are, Jesus, that your word can change us, that your preached word can transform us into your image, that we can be more and more like you as we are with you. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm with him. You can be seated The two brothers traveled often. They knew the airport layout by heart, but their connecting flight was one of the tightest that they had ever experienced. They suspected that the airport 
was too large to make the trip from where they landed to where they would be departing. So before they ever took off in the airplane, they talked to uh, the gatekeeper there, the, the, the gate checker, and said, I'm going to need an electric cart to transport us. You know the one with the horns? Beep, 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 beep. I'm going to need one of those carts to transport us because we're simply not going to make our flight. And in good measure and in uh, great customer service, the gate checker said, let's do it. And so they phoned ahead and said, this, this individual is going to need a gatekeeper and uh, is going to need a uh, transportation. And all was arranged. The cart would be waiting for them when they deplaned and it would whisk them away to their connecting flight. Everything was going just fine, but they didn't realize that they were on the board. They didn't realize that a self-proclaimed, so-called, self-indulgent celebrity, someone, we all know this person, none of them are in this room, but we all know them, they, they are a little more important than they think, or than, than they actually are, just ask them and they'll tell you they are. They think a little too highly of themselves, and this person was walking down as the airport brimmed with people, and they plopped themselves next to the man who had arranged for the flight, or the the transportation to the flight for them and his brother. And as the second brother walked up, a little confused, realizing that there's not enough room on this cart for the both of them just kind of, st- uh, what? And the electric cart driver, adept at being able to ascertain when uh, situations had turned awkward, realized that it had taken that turn. That it was, in fact, awkward. And, and he said uh, to the individual, that self-proclaimed celebrity, uh, I-, I think that this seat is for them. Well, what do you think the seat's for them for? Don't you know who I am? I'm this person. I'm that person. I'm, I, this, I, and this second rate self-absorbed so-called celebrity decided that they would take it upon themselves to make sure that they did not exit that cart. And with one little phrase, the second brother caused this departure of that celebrity. Uh, I'm, I'm with him. And they didn't have a choice but to make room for them. How many of you have been the benefactor of an I'm with him? Anybody? Hopefully everyone in the room has at some point in their, opportun- in their lives to, to be with someone else. You get to enter into places that you don't really deserve to be. I'm with him. You get to be uh, at dinners and at tables and in conversations that you shouldn't be able to be listening to. I'm, I'm with them. And I feel like this thief on the cross had kind of the ultimate superior I'm with them card that they got to play. Because the thief has Jesus tell him, today you'll be with me in paradise. See, it's interesting because Matthew and Mark are both very clear uh, that both thieves railed on Jesus on the cross. So how do we answer Luke, this historian? 
Luke, this most prolific writer in the New Testament, Luke, this keeper of journals, Luke, this collector of interviews, how do we understand that Luke says very clearly that one of them railed on Jesus? Well, it's pretty simple to understand how one of them rail on Jesus because at some point from 9 a.m. to 3 p.m., while the crucifixion is going on, both of these thieves are like, come on, man, can't you do something for us? But then at some point in the day, this man understands, wait a minute, this is not who I thought it was. This man that I am being crucified next to is not who I thought it was. I deserve this death. I deserve this punishment, but Luke is very clear. He has done nothing wrong. So how maybe as he was hanging on the cross, he went back to bar mitzvah school. And he saw, oh, this, this is the suffering servant of Psalm 22. I'm, I'm looking at this man crucified and his bones are staring up at him. And I hear it with my own ears the soldiers gambling for his garments beneath my cross. And this man has got to be the savior and so he had a change of heart. But scripture doesn't say that. So maybe it is, but maybe not. What I think it absolutely has something to do with is him hear the cry of Jesus when he says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. If he was already pointed in the direction through his understanding as a child of who the Messiah would be, if he was already oriented in that direction, then when he heard Jesus cry, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do, he was absolutely certain that this man, he was so certain that this man was the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God, the Son of Man, that when the other thieves started, come on, he started in again, he was like, come on, man, just stop it. His conversion experience was so radical that his words followed his heart. His conversion experience was so radical that when someone else started talking negatively to Jesus, he said, no, 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 you've got to stop that. Can I ask, do we have a conversion experience that is so radical that when someone out in the world or God forbid someone in a dorm or in a cafeteria or in a restaurant says, I'm not so sure about this, is our conversion experience so radical that we stop it and say, no, 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 no. This can't be the case. You've got to stop talking right now. You've got to stop doing this right now. You've got to stop saying that right now. Right now. Hallelujah, Jesus. Is our conversion experience so radical that we understand where and who Jesus is? Because you see, this man, this thief on the cross that is just there with Jesus being crucified, this thief deserved what he was getting. All he had known was a life of greed. All he had known was a life of, I'm going to get mine. 
All he had known was a life of pride and of selfishness and of betrayal and of rebellion. But when he's hanging on the cross, receiving his due reward, something wells up inside of him. And he says, this man, he's so convinced that he turns to Jesus and he says, I'm not real sure. I'm paraphrasing here. We understand. I'm not real sure what it is that you're setting up, but God, I want to be with you. John chapter 19 records it this way in 31 and 32. The Jews, therefore, because it was the preparation that the body should not remain on the cross on the Sabbath day, for that Sabbath day was in high day. The Jews, they're always so worried about their high days that they don't even understand what they're doing. We've got to be careful that we don't get so caught up on our high days that we don't miss an opportunity to be with Jesus. We've got to be so concerned with where Jesus is going and what Jesus is doing and how Jesus is asking us to minister that we don't get caught up that this, this, this Sunday, it's the day that the Lord has made, Brother Turner. I, I'm gonna be glad and rejoice, but God is saying, will you reach out to that individual? Well, I've got this meeting before service. Well, I've got this lunch scheduled after service, but God is searching for someone God is searching for some man, some woman who will look in the altar and will say, oh, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go pray with them. I'm gonna go rejoice with them. I'm gonna go weep with them. The Jews besought Pilate that their legs might be broken, that they might be taken away. Watch this. Then came the soldiers and break the leg of the first. We understand, that's, that's why we're, we're all Bible college students. We understand that's how they sped up the crucifixion process. And of the other, which was crucified with him. So even by the time John is writing, we find that there's this delineation between, in the separation between the, the thief on the cross that railed on Jesus and the thief on the cross who said today, can you remember me when you enter? When, when you set up your kingdom, can you remember me? And Galatians 2.20 says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me, and the life I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me, his desire is still for us to be with him. His desire has not changed. From the time he began walking in the garden to the time he was walking on a mountain as the man Christ Jesus, God's desire has been for us to be with him. Adam, Eve, Adam, hey, hey, Eve, what did Jesus want? He just wanted to be with them. In Mark 3, we find that he walks on to a mountain, and he calls who he would, and he ordains the 12 that they should be with him, that he might send them forth to preach. Don't try and stand behind a pulpit if you have not been with Jesus. 
Don't try and sing or write or play a song if you have not been with Jesus. Don't try and teach that home Bible study if you have not been with Jesus. Because his first calling and his first ordination of the 12 is that they should be with him. And then they can preach. And then they can have power to heal sickness. And then they can cast out devils. But we have got to understand that it is with Jesus that everything flows from. We've got to understand that the validation that we're seeking as young adults coming up into the kingdom of God has got to be found. That validation has got to come from being with him. If you're searching for the validation in a relationship, stop it. Because you've got to be with him. If you're searching for the validation in a ministry, stop it. Because you've got to be with him. Because when you're with Jesus, you can preach regardless of what comes. When you're with Jesus, you can sing no matter how bad it hurts. When you're with Jesus, you can teach a home Bible study regardless of whether or not they accept that word because your validation is not found in men. Your validation is not found in ministry. Your validation and your sense of purpose is found in being with him. It's a simple thing. But it's so complex to live because I find myself, I found myself, I see people and I'm like, if they could just understand, be with Jesus. They want the platform so bad, but they don't know how to be with Jesus. They want the ministry so bad, but they don't understand how to be with Jesus. They want the influence and the notoriety and the, the self-pompous celebrity status, but they can't get it because they've not been with Jesus. And I'm going to tell you, when you're with Jesus, it doesn't matter what platform you stand on. When you're with Jesus, it doesn't matter what circumstance you step into. When you are with Jesus, it does not matter what hell or high water or furnace or anything else that you have to go through because you are with him. His desire is still for us when we wake up in the morning to be with him. His heart's cry for us in the morning when we go into class at 8 a.m. God forbid, I get it. Okay? I've been a college student before. Yea, even now I am a college student. I get it. But God forbid we get so accustomed to sleeping in for an 8 a.m. class that we forget to wake up and be with Jesus before we go to Brother Kilman's 8 a.m. That, that wasn't quite as exuberant of an amen staff as it was before. What are our priorities? Well, I'll let you campus pastor, Brother Turner. It is God's desire when you're sitting in your 1030 class for you to, for God, God's desire is for you to be with him in that class. 
God's desire, listen, I sat in Old Testament survey and I watched the life of Joseph as it decrescendos down into the bottom of a pit physically and spiritually it ascends into where God understands that he can trust his character. I sat in the, in the class and I wept as I was like, this realization poured over me and I'm like, wow, God, I don't care what pit I have to walk through. Be careful when you pray that. Because God will send you to the pit to test that prayer. But I'm here to tell you that if you make up in your mind in an Old Testament survey class to be with Jesus, that yea, though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you can fear no evil. Why? Because his rod and his staff, they comfort you. Because mercy and goodness follow you. Because he's prepared a table before you. It only happens when we make up in our minds to be with Jesus. As a young man, I worked construction before Indiana Bible College, and my job was to firewatch. That was the title that I held. It was a distinguished title, some would say. Others would say he's just the helper. But after I made the firebox a fireproof temporary structure that allowed for the pipe fitter and the welder to go up and make a tie-in or install a new line into the chemical plant refineries of South Houston, I got to stand on the ground, and it looked a lot like this. part where it came undone, put it back, close it up. Why? Because if fire escaped and there was a gas leak and a spark hit the gas, boom, goes the plant. So it was an important job now that I think about it. <laughs> Praise the Lord. I saved many a lives as a fire watch. Herman Mitchell was his name. He was my foreman. Every job is divided up into little teams. And Herman's job was to make sure that the jobs got done. It was his sole purpose. He was the foreman. And so when the firebox was made and I was standing there at the bottom making sure that no sparks escaped the structure that I had created from my own two hands, Herman would walk by. He would talk. Herman was a devout man of another religious persuasion, which made for great conversation. Because he believed one way about the Bible, and I believed another way about the Bible. And as an 18, 19-year-old man, I spoke with this 45, 50-year-old man, and we talked about grace and mercy and forgiveness and salvation and holy living and all of these things. And one day, we meandered onto the topic of grace, and I pointed to the text we read today, Luke 23, as proof of Jesus's, the man Jesus, while he lived on earth, proof of him having the ability to forgive sins. And Herman said, well, that's, that's all great, Chris, but where did, where did Jesus go that day? And I was like, huh? I don't get it. It sounded to me like Mr. Herman Mitchell was 
telling me that Jesus took that thief to hell. I didn't, that didn't sound like paradise to me. And Luke clearly records Jesus as saying, today you'll be with me in paradise. So I'm like, what does this look like? I don't, I don't get it. So Herman made me study, and I was glad for that. I found in my study all those years ago that there's this place that Jesus calls in Luke chapter 16, verse 22, Abraham's bosom. And the prisoners who had died previous to the crucifixion were held captive by death. And I found in Ephesians 4, 9, and 10 that Jesus descended into Abraham's bosom and led captivity captive. Check it out, Ephesians 4, 9, and 10. Now that he ascended, what is it? but that he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth. He that descended is the same also that ascended up far above all heavens, that he might fulfill all things. In Matthew, we find where the saints of the Old Testament are actually seen walking around the city. I would have loved to have been there. I'm thankful that God placed me where he did in, in the history of the world. But I would have loved to have just been like a little guy and been like, he talks like David. Who's the guy walking around crying all the time? Mom says, that's Jeremiah, don't make fun of him. Who's the bald guy? Watch out for the bears. <laughs> but Jesus actually goes down and leads them. Captivity captive. I, as much fun as I think it would have been to watch the saints walk around, I think it would have been way more fun to have been like a fly on the wall in Abraham's bosom. Abraham and Isaac see Jesus as he steps over death. Y'all, he defeated death, but he's about to defeat the hell and the grave. And as Jesus steps into their prison, into their captivity, Abraham and Isaac see him and remember the ram caught in the thicket. I don't know, I don't know what he thought. But I can only imagine the trials that my son and I go through and when I see Jesus' hand of provision and then I get to see God face to face with my boy. Moses sees him and says, I recognize that glory. I understand that is what I saw when I was pressed into the cleft. Joshua sees him and realizes that it was this man who was with him that day when the children of Israel won the victory in Jericho and Samuel is overcome with emotion to finally put a 
bodily form with the voice that he heard as a child sleeping in the temple. And Elijah or Esther unmistakably understands that it was this man who was with her in the presence of the king that day. And David just looks and says, my shepherd. Jesus stands a moment longer and Isaiah sees him and says, wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting father and the prince of peace. Jeremiah just stands there and is weeping and Ezekiel recognizes this is the wheel in the middle of the wheel and Daniel knows that it was this man who was with him in the lion's den that night and Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego realized this guy was in the furnace with us. I, I recognize this man. He is, it was in the furnace with us. And Joel says, you're the one who gives old men dreams and young men visions. And in the presence of this man, Malachi announces, you turn the heart of the fathers back to the children. And you turn the heart of the children back to the fathers. And having already been with him and lived life in a desert and clothed in camel's hair, John the Baptist declares one more time, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And suddenly saints through the ages, many of whom only heard God speak in dreams and visions, are with him. They had heard his voice all their lives, but there he stands, the one God, Father of all, above all, through all, and in us all. They've wrestled with his call all their life. They tried their best to follow him faithfully, but suddenly in their captivity, there he is with them. And then, almost as if it doesn't even belong in the script. I can see the thief. As he crosses into his captivity. I don't know. Maybe he thought, it's not quite paradise. But it's way better than what I thought I'd get. And in my brain, it's Jonah from over in the corner if he's there saying, hey, who's the new, who said you could be here? It's evident that the thief does not belong in this place. It's clear that he does not deserve to step foot into this sacred space. But as he looks around and sees the saints, whose lives testify of the glory of God. He locks eyes with Jesus and he says, uh, I'm with him. I'm, I'm with him. And suddenly, nothing else matters because he is with Jesus. Nothing else matters because he is with Jesus. Nothing else matters because he is with Jesus. Young people, my purpose for speaking to you today is to remind you that you need to be with him. 
You need to be with him as musicians come. I wish I could tell you that ministry is gonna be easy, but I cannot. I wish I could tell you that because you're answering the call of God, everything's gonna be sunshine and roses, but it will not. I wish that I could tell you that because you're doing this awesome thing and attending Indiana Bible College, that you wouldn't have to suffer hurt that you wouldn't have to suffer pain, that you wouldn't have to suffer rejection and betrayal, but I have to stand before you here before God and say, that's not the case. But I can equally stand here before you and declare that if you are with him, that nothing else matters. If you are with him, nothing else matters. When life demands a sacrifice that seems too great a price for you and your family to pay, I'm here to remind you today, in your future, you're with him. When you're on the mountain basking in the glory of God and the people you're trying to lead are down in the valley and they're building false idols and building kingdoms unto themselves, I'm here to remind you that you are with him. When the foe seems too great to bear and the marching orders don't make sense, I'm with him. When you're starting out in ministry and you're not even real sure that this is the voice of God calling you into something deeper, I'm here to remind you, I'm with him. When the realization of God calling you to the kingdom for such a time as this sweeps over you and you don't know how you're going to do this because what is happening, what's being asked of you seems too large. You're with him. Whether you're in a cave or in a battle or in a palace or in need of forgiveness, I can declare to you that in every one of those circumstances, if you are with him, you will be okay. If you are with him, then you will be okay. You are with the wonderful, the counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting father, the prince of peace. You are with the wonderful counselor, the one that says, I can take this situation and turn it for good. The one that says, I can make a way where there seems to be no way. The one that says, I can step into that family situation and turn the hearts of the parents. When no one listens to the message that you're preaching, everything's okay if you're with him. When you're in the lion's den, the fiery furnace, or in the family trouble, it's okay if you're with him. Come on, that's it all over this place. Declare in your heart, I'm with you. Yoromosa na 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 na
Come on, some of you need to have an experience like Moses on the mountaintop when he says, God, this people that you've given me to lead, I'm not real sure what they're doing, and I'm not going anywhere if your presence doesn't go with us. To the future church planter, be with Jesus. To the future global missionary, be with Jesus. To the future creative team lead at a congregation, be with Jesus. To the songwriter who writes hits that the world wants to take and the, uh, steal and the secular businesses want to take away from you, declare in your heart and in your mind, today, October 2020, I am with him. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. Come on, he left heaven for our rescue, but that's not all he did. He defeated death, hell, and the grave so that we could be with him. Luke illustrates it for us in our text, but we get the privilege of living it out in our lives. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus.